There's a lot of things going on that I do not like. And yes, there's, Bible says, wars and rumors of wars all over the world. And the Bible says the end is not yet. It's going to get worse and worse. So my topic today is on can a Christian go to war? And can a Christian defend himself? Can we take a life? Should Christians go to war? It's a good question. Can a believer defend his home? All our veterans who fought in America's wars may have taken the lives of other men. Not all of them have, but they may have. And they could have. So were they right or they wrong? We've had men that have obeyed the call of the government and they have been sent to places like Vietnam. They sent into the First and Second World War. They went into the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Gulf War, and people have died in order to defend and protect our liberties. Wouldn't it be a shame for them to have died in vain if we lose our country from the inside? If we lose our country after they've sacrificed that right that they had to live their lives and gave it to us, and then we destroyed the very country they fought for. We dishonor every veteran that's ever defended anything or anybody in this country. Those are my humble opinions. The next statement I have here, how do we reconcile this with thou shalt not kill? Thou shalt not kill. Kind of like the Quaker one day as he sat there facing this man who just broke into his house and he has his gun on him. And he says, I mean thee no harm, but thou standeth right where I'm about to shoot. <laughs> Does our government have the responsibility to protect us from those who seek our destruction? Our federal government is designed to protect this nation. And I believe that it should. I do not believe that the religion of Islam, which is more than a religion, is set to destroy this country. That is their motive. That is their goal. And they believe that it all comes from the Koran, which I believe is the war manual. So it is the weapon of mass destruction. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans in chapter 12. Romans in chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And look at verse 17. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 17. But verse 17 says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. If it is possible. But with some men it may not be possible. And if somebody is willing to take your life, unless you want to die, then you better stop it. Some people only respond to force. And that is the purpose of a government, to apply the force, to execute righteous judgment, to do for us what we should not as an individual do and bear the, the guilt of what we've done, but make sure that things are done decently and in order. Look what else he says in verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. Somebody wrongs you, don't avenge. That's what government is for. So this is why we want to have a good government and good people in place of leadership. Well, those good people have to be produced. 
And you're not going to get the people that we want to coming out of the public schools. If some of them make it, it's only because they've had some good family background or something has happened or they came from a good church. Not all public schools are bad, but I can tell you this. They are all going in the same direction. Some may not be as far as others, but it's still not the best because they have a humanistic philosophy. It's eliminating God, Christianity, the Bible, truth from the public school. And you tell me how you're supposed to educate those children to preserve a nation like ours without truth, without the foundation of the Bible. It can't be done. It's impossible. Because then whenever you don't have God and there is no God, then you have little atheists that are going to be produced. And those atheists are going to make the godly decision by which you and I are going to live by? I don't think so. But he says, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So down in chapter 13, he sets up governments. God does that. And government is to take out vengeance. Somebody wrongs you, take somebody's life. Government is to do it so that we as individuals don't do it. Look at the first question. Is human government ordained of God? The answer is yes. It began in the days of Noah. Right after they landed and God set up some things and he told some things that were to be done. We'll take a look at that later. Letter B, God gave Nebuchadnezzar a kingdom. But I want you to see this because it's so important. Look in the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel and chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. And look at verse 37. You'll find out that God not only created the heavens and the earth, he created man, he created government. And God can cause governments to rise and to fall. So in verse 37, as he's talking to King Nebuchadnezzar, Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. God did that. God raised you up. So he says in verse 38, And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heavens, hath he given into thy hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of God. God did that. See, God can cause nations to rise and nations to fall. And if a nation like Israel does not obey God, God can raise up another nation and use them to whip the nation of Israel. And then God can raise up another nation to whip the nation to whip Israel. God is in control. Does God love war? Does God love sin? Does God love hell? No. But God can use all of those things to accomplish His will. So look there also in chapter 2 and verse 21. Look in verse 21. Talking about how Daniel sees the Lord. And he says in verse 21, And He, the Lord, changes the times and the season. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and the dark things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. The Lord is able to do all of these things. And look at verse 25, chapter 4 and verse 25. Chapter 4, chapter 4 and verse 25. And look what he says in verse 25. Nebuchadnezzar had done had another dream, but he's explaining a few things here. For they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, 
and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. America, we're going to get the judgment that we deserve. If we were a righteous people, we would elect righteous men to office. We have not put righteous men in office, therefore we're going to get the judgment that we deserve. And because good men that have run, good people sometimes don't vote for them. So in order for evil to triumph, all we need is for the good people to do what? Nothing. And we will reap the consequences. But he says to Nebuchadnezzar, because of your pride, and he was the king of Babylon, God says, I'm going to take away you from the kingdom, and you're going to live like an animal. You're going to be insane for seven years. He told him this before it ever happened. He warned him, but he would not listen. And he says, it's going to be for seven years. And until you learn this lesson. So then in verse 29, he says, At the end of twelve months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? And while the words were still in his mouth, the kingdom has departed from them. You asked for it, bud. And then he wound up living like an animal. So see, even the kings and the people, everybody is accountable to God. So remember that. Look there in your notes and you'll see where I have God raised up Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire. He raised up France, Great Britain, and yes, even the United States. And God can put them up and God can put them down. Number two, does God ever take life? Does God ever take life? I want you to see this verse because this verse is so important. Look here in the book of Job. The book of Job. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. If He can give you life, He can take your life. And you'll find out that that's exactly what He does. He gives you life, and if you misuse your life, He can take it or for whatever higher purpose he may have. But look in the book of Job in chapter 10, it's on page 576, and notice what it says here in verse 9. Remember, I beseech thee, that thou hast made me as the clay, and wilt thou make, bring me into dust again? Hast thou not poured me out as milk, and curdled me like cheese? Verse 11, thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh, and hath Fence me with bones and sinew. In other words, you're living on the inside of a body that God made for you. That's that little house. Sometimes you might think it's a prison. A little prison that you live inside of this body. But God made you, and God formed that body that you have. And look what he says in verse 12. Thou hast granted me life. Life is granted by God. The right to life was given by God. Therefore, if God can give you life, God can take life. God made it at the beginning where we could have lived forever. 
if our parents had never sinned, if Adam and Eve hadn't messed up. But we did sin. And because of that, all have sinned and all shall die. We've all sinned and we all shall die. And you need to see that. Look here very quickly in the book of Romans in chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Even though God in verse 5 loves us, He loves us, but God still lets you sin, but He loves us. And God still let you die. But even though God loves us. Now a man might go to hell in unbelief. But he does not go to hell unloved. God loves each and every one. But he says here in verse 12. Wherefore by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sin. So every man sinned and every man dies. So does God take life? Yes, He takes life. He takes the life from every person that sins. That's why everybody dies. It is God taking your life away from you. He gave it. He can take it. And as the book of Job says, when he made that statement, the Lord giveth. The Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So that's what he can do. And he can take away everything you own. He can take away a nation. He can take away a church. He can turn off the lights and not have his hand on it and not bless. He can do that to your own personal life. God is not dead and God is not on a vacation. God is actively working in every nation and in every individual. By the truth that they know, they understand, and their obedience or disobedience. There's a God that, that chastens, and He's doing that at the moment. You may not know this, but God is actively involved in your life. He personally knows everything about you and what you're doing, what you're going to do. And there's a God that can open up doors for you, and there's a God that can close doors. And when God closes it, no man can open but if God opens it, no man can close it. But your own disobedience that you have between you and God. I want you to look there in your notes. Just a couple of things. We're not going to look at these in verses. But under number two, and then the next division there, God took the lives of two sons of Judah in Genesis 28. God smote King Uzziah when he reached forth his hands and touched the ark. And the Bible says that in one night, he killed 185,000 Assyrians. God did that. He also killed the firstborn of Egypt. How long have you heard that story? Remember down there in Egypt? And Moses says that the only way is to put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel. And then those that are in that home would be safe. The firstborn would not die. And he was going to take the firstborn of everybody. God did that. And God cannot be questioned. God is God. And he can take a life. He can give a life. So in uh, the book of Acts, you'll find out God took Ananias and Sapphira. And what did he do with them? He killed them. What were they guilty of? Lying. You mean just lying? They lied. See, God 
could take you for any sin at any time. You are alive only by the grace of God, by His mercy. You and I deserve to die at any moment. God has all the evidence He needs in every individual. He's the one that can decide whether or not He lets you draw that next breath or take it away from you. We should understand how important this is about what I'm talking about this morning. Because it is important. It affects how we think about God, how we think about life. Whether we choose to live in sin or live a holy, godly life. Nobody can make you, but understand there's a God in heaven that will make you wish you had of one way or the other. God killed all the sodomites with fire and brimstone in one moment in the book of Genesis. There they were. Could God do it again today? If God did it then, and remember when Jesus was here, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, remember Lot's wife. Why would he say that? Why would he tell you anything about Sodom and Gomorrah if it never really happened? Because it did happen. And he says that the people in Sodom and Gomorrah were wicked, exceedingly wicked. And it goes into the 19th chapter and tells you how bad it was. And the sodomites, the homosexuals, whatever you want to call it, it's men with men and women with women. It is wrong, it is sinful, it is disobedience, and it deserves and will have the judgment of God upon it. Did it affect Lot and his family? Yes, it affected them. Is it going to affect our nation? Yes. If God destroyed the complete cities with fire and brimstone, totally annihilated them, do we think we're better as a nation than what they were? Look what has been tolerated in our country, and it's not just, well, they just want to, you know, have civil unions. Then it went from that, well, we want to be, we're married. God's the one to decide what is married and not. God says he made the man, he made the woman, and brought them together. Said, leave your mother and father and cleave unto each other. Not leave your mother and mother, or your father and your father. Your mother and your father and cleave unto each other. There is a right and there is a wrong. And as long as I'm alive, I and programmed to speak my peace on what I believe is right and what I believe is wrong. I have no desire to be a coward. I have a little bit of a backbone that I believe that when I see something that's wrong and I'm going to say something, I love our country, but I believe that we're going to be judged by God, by our foolishness. And if God has to use another nation to do it, so be it. Because see, no man's going to live here forever anyway. I am to be found faithful, and so are you, to do right. And we are to reprove that which is wrong. That means to point it out and say, that's wrong. Today, you've got to be politically correct. You can't say anything that offends anybody else. It means that now truth is no longer acceptable. Because truth is offensive. And it is a, a word that nobody wants to talk about. Truth. And I believe that the word of God is truth.
and we're to tell them what God says. It is so important. Look at the next statement. Number three, is all killing murder? Is all killing murder? No. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 13 says, Thou shalt not kill. Now this is where you find the Ten Commandments, but there is one that says, Thou shalt not kill. So that means you can never take anybody's life. Well, if that's what it meant, then why would God make other statements that you're supposed to take the life of the person who took a life? Well, there's an explanation. All murder, it's in the bowl. Look at your notes there. All murder is killing, but not all killing is murder. To take a life unintentionally is not murder. Look there in your Bible, the book of Numbers in chapter 35. Numbers in chapter 35. Now, verse 9 through the end of this chapter, it talks about how that if somebody accidentally or, or they killed somebody, uh, then they had certain cities, cities of refuge where you could run to it and they couldn't kill you if you made it inside. And then people at the gate, the judges, then they would hear a case and so on. So you were to run and run to the city of refuge. Now, there is a, a gospel message in here somewhere, but we won't get into that today. So what you have is scripture that says a thing. Look in verse 11. Then ye shall appoint you cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the slayer may flee thither, which killeth any person at unawares. And they shall be unto you cities for refuge from the avenger, because somebody's coming after you. Somebody's going to try to catch you. Somebody's going to try to kill you for what you did. Now, this is the way it was. And so they set up six cities in verse 15. And then you have in verse 16, And if he smite him with an instrument of iron so that he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. If he smite him with throwing a stone wherewith he may die and he die, and he is a murderer. But you see, not all people that, even though you took a life and they were killed, but you see, there's a difference between a murderer and a person who killed somebody. You may take a life. A soldier may go to battle and take a life, but he's not guilty of murder. A man may break into your home and try to kill your wife or your children, and to take that man's life, that is not murder. You may have taken his life, but it's not murder. There is a difference in the Word of God and what He says. And it's so important to keep that in mind. Look there at letter C under... Your notes there is all killing murder. Killing by an individual except for defense is prohibited. Killing by a nation is permitted. Whenever you are in the service and you are to serve your country and they give you weapons and all the ammunition you need and they give you that little uniform and they send you to a foreign land and says you got to take out lives. And many soldiers have done so and many have lost their lives. See, God will judge a nation if the nation does wrong. But if the nation does right and those people, they're dying to protect those people, those freedoms of those individuals back home, then it's a good, honorable thing. But wouldn't it be a shame for people to give their lives to defeat an enemy, whereby then they open up the doors and the gates of our country and say, come on in here, and then they can come in here and destroy us from the inside. 
and yet we send them 10,000 miles away to fight the enemy over there so that they don't come here. But the people who come here with that same ideology, that Koran, to destroy this country. And they have made decisions that they want to fly the flag of Islam over the capital of the United States, and they want to replace our Constitution with the Koran. I'm not lying to you. If you don't understand and believe what I'm saying, you're not listening to the news. And therefore, you need to educate yourself, because what I'm telling you is the truth. I believe very strongly that God said, I will bless them that bless Israel, and I'll curse them that curse Israel. I believe we have a responsibility. We better stand behind Israel. We better not turn our back upon Israel. And it's hard to know right now where our, our leadership in Congress and the White House is right now, this present administration. I don't like what I see. Number four, look at number four. Does God authorize human government to take life? Yes. To take a man's life, that's not like, that computer messes up every once in a while. To take a man's life in capital punishment is not murder. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. Just so you see that, you need to know that. Look at it very quickly because it is a very important verse. Genesis in chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9, this is on page 16 in an old school for reference Bible. But look what he says here in uh, verse 5. And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require. And at the hand of man, and at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. If you murder someone, God authorized government to take your life. They are doing what they're doing because it was ordained by God. Man didn't make this up, but it is the will of God. I believe if a man has been found guilty of murder, he should not stay on death row for 20, 30, 40 years. He is to have a quick trial. And it wouldn't bother me if they made it public. But anyway, that's a personal opinion. That doesn't, you won't find that in the Bible. That's mine. Look at the next statement. Letter B, to lynch a man is murder. To execute a man under government authority is not murder. What about a Christian? Can a Christian serve in places of leadership? I think so. I believe it's God's will. But a Christian may be an officer of the law. Can policemen be officers of the law? Yes. Can they be governors, presidents, congressmen? If we don't have Christians in place of leadership, then we're going to have people that are not Christian in place of leadership. And what do we want? Someone that believes that they're going to have to account to God for what? decisions they make, or somebody who don't even believe there's a God or a heaven or a hell, and we want them. I believe it affects the way you think, affects the way you vote. The next statement, a Christian may be a judge that sentences a man to die, and a Christian may be a paid executioner. I believe that can happen, and it should. I would rather have God's people in place of leadership. But lo and behold, sometime when a good Christian runs for office, nobody votes for him. 
because the other side always finds some dirt on somebody. And even if they can't prove it, ah, you believe it. So, that's the way it goes. But look at the top of page two, as Paul Harvey would say, page two. To maintain a healthy body, you must get the cancer out of the body to protect the rest of the body. You know that if you don't get cancer out of your body, it keeps on until it permeates the whole thing and kills the body. True? Isn't that one of the things that scares most people is, I went to the doctor and they said that I've got cancer. Even skin cancer can scare you to death. Or my PSA is high, and it scares people. Because you know that sooner or later it can kill you. Literally take your life. And so that's why we're so glad that maybe there's something that they can do and cut it out or whatever. Or take radiation treatment or whatever we need. But look at the next statement. God has granted government the right to cut out cancerous growths to preserve healthy societies. Murder, you don't let murderers do what they do and get away with it. Because it only causes more people to become murderers. Because if there's no consequence to committing murder, then why not take the life of whoever you want because you don't like him anymore? For whatever the reason. You did me wrong. Bow. Okay? Adultery. Now, I know that I'm going to hit a touchy subject here. But I didn't write the Bible. I only try to teach it. I don't try to make it fit by little pet peeves that I may have. I believe adultery is wrong. I believe that a man and a woman get married, you're supposed to get married for life. It don't always work that way because of sin, because of the hardness of sin, because people don't always do the right thing. Aren't you glad that God can forgive and we can still go ahead and try to do what's right? But you don't look back and you don't justify the, the wrong. You just try to correct and do what's right with whatever time God's got left for you. But I believe that it's wrong for people to live together without being married. And as he says, homosexuality, sodomites, will destroy a nation from within. And God wiped out two cities for this wickedness. So is sodomy right or wrong today? Because after all, if they vote on it and it's overwhelmingly approved, then it must be okay. When you approve of same-sex marriages, what you're saying is it's okay for men with men and women with women, which is directly opposed in this book. You can't make it right according to this book. No more than you can justify murder without a cause, taking a life without a cause, without being provoked, just deliberately cold-blooded murder. And it wasn't in defense. Yeah, there's the reasons. Get this. David, as a king, could go to war and kill the enemy. And God bless him. But when he killed Uriah, he was charged with murder. Right? Because he, he didn't have to kill Uriah. He did it on purpose so that that man would die. But why was this man set up to die? He was covering up something. He was covering up for another sin of adultery. See, one sin leads to another sin that leads to another sin, and you're always trying to cover up. But the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. It's going to tell on you. Sooner or later, it's going to tell on you. 
So you listen to what God's Word has to say and to believe it. And we're living in a country now that people don't either know the Bible, don't care what the Bible teaches. Now it's just, we don't want to be offensive to anybody. Let people do whatever they want to do as long as it doesn't bother us. Who cares if two men want to hug on each other and two women want to hug on each other because their sin is going to bring the judgment of God on all of us. And until you understand it, you're not going to get it. Well, let's just leave them alone. They'll leave us alone. No, they won't leave you alone. They'll keep on until they take away all of your rights. Right now, you might be able to have a job and you can decide who you're going to hire and fire. They're just coming out with some executive orders where you can't fire a person because of their sexual orientation. I believe you ought to be able to hire and fire whoever you want to. And nobody ought to be able to tell you how much you have to pay somebody. You don't go to work for a man and then all of you get together and overthrow the right of that man. If you don't like what that man pays you, go get you another job. Or start your own business. Pay what you want to pay. But when you use force to overthrow the right of another person, you just did it to yourself. When you justify the wrong that... Other people can take away your right. You're also voting to take away your own right. And people can't see that. So we are now a nation afloat. We don't know where we're going. We don't have any bearings. We have no anchors. We're drifting. Nobody knows how it's going to end up. Now God does. And he may bring some severe things upon us. Look at the next statement. Should nations ever declare war? Yes. Two causes that bring war. Man sin, God's wrath. See, when man sins against man, and man uses his covetousness to want something that somebody else has, we start little wars. This is what causes the greed. You've got to take something that doesn't belong to you. And nations begin to want something that a nation has, and so they're going to take it. Remember, the Bible says that Russia will come down against Israel in the last days. Somewhere along the line, Russia's got to be bold enough to take that, that leap and come down against Israel. And when it does, the Bible says that God's going to stop them because they're going to be annihilated. Either the word shasha means annihilated or one-sixth will be left. And all the rest of them destroyed from the mountains of Israel. Now that's a battle that's still coming in the future yet. So God, in number six, does he enjoy war? No. Does God hate sin? No, you don't. But he loves the sinner. But because the man won't correct the sin, God has to correct the man. Do you love your children? Well, most of you. Did you love your children? But when they did something wrong, you still loved them. But didn't you discipline them a little bit? I mean, a little? I've had teenagers tell me, said, my parents have never touched me. I said, I can tell. <laughs> They've made me want to. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. I said, my daddy wasn't a fisherman, but we did go on a few whaling expeditions. 
Look at the next statement. God hates sin. God hates war. God hates hell. But in the bold, but he uses it to accomplish his will against man's rebellion. Man is rebellious. You can hear truth and rebel against it because, well, that's just not the way I believe it. It doesn't matter what way you want to go. What did God say? Line yourself up with truth. Otherwise, you have no truth. That's what makes it so hard for people to make decisions because everything's just a dirty gray. There's no black and white. There's no absolutes. It's whatever you want. The Bible talks about people that did that which was right in their own eyes. Well, everybody don't have the same eyes. But you do what's right in your own eyes. And you're not going to like that because in some people's eyes, they want to take your life. Is that okay? Some of you want to take and scheme your money out of you. Somebody else may want to rape you, kill you, you name it. Is it okay to have a philosophy and just do what's right in your own eyes? I wouldn't want that. I want us all to do what's right in God's eyes. You'll be safer. You'll know what's right. You'll know what's wrong. You'll have greater peace and joy. It's great for a nation because righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. The last thing down through here, letter D, war is God's judgment on national sin. Hell is God's judgment on unbelieving man. One is here and one is hereafter. Look at the next statement. A good Christian policeman may love criminals, but not the crimes they commit. But that does not mean he should not bring them to justice. A man may go to hell unsaved, but he does not go unloved. Look up here. Is God unrighteous to judge you? If he's God and he's perfect. And he says, every man has sinned. Therefore, every man will die. You're all going to die. You're going to be killed. One way or the other. Some disease may kill you. Somebody may kill you. But die you will if God should tarry in coming back. But that doesn't mean he doesn't love you. God hates sin. God hates war. God hates hell. But he can use all of those things to get your attention. Because the consequences of sin in this life is great. You cannot live as you place and get away with it. There's a price to pay. Look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. But because we sin, the payment for sin is death. Eternal separation from God in hell. Now he loves us. Wants us to go to heaven. To live forever. But he can't allow us to go there because of sin. We have a debt. We've got to pay the price. God had a righteous law. Because he's righteous and just and holy, he says, sin has to be paid. And the payment is death. And because of sin, we can't get in. So God says, you cannot earn eternal life. You cannot work your way to heaven. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. To show you how much he loved you, this is what he did. He sent his perfect son, never did anything wrong, to come and make a payment for you. But the payment would have to be whatever I owed. I owed my life. I have to die. So Christ came and took all my sins, died in my place. 
came back from the dead and said, all I have to do to go to heaven is, well, I believe he did that for me. If I believe he did it for me, he puts this payment to my account, and I get to go to heaven on what Christ did for me. God loves you that much. He loved you so much, he would rather die than live without you. You may go to hell, but you did not go to hell unloved. You rejected his love. If you want to go to heaven, you can. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You cannot buy it. It's not going to be a reward that God gives to you because you earned it. You have to admit to God, I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. That's why I need a Savior. But as long as you think you can earn your way to heaven by how good you are, you'll never trust Christ alone to take you to heaven. So you have to understand, it's either by grace or it's by works. If it's by works, then you've got to earn it. But if it's by grace, you don't have to earn it. You just accept it as a gift, one way or the other. Can't be both ways. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If you're here this morning or watching by Internet, understand that God does love you. He is on the throne. He does know what's going on in all the nations and all the churches and all the homes and, and in every individual. He knows all about you. But if you have never, friend, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust Him right now? Would you say something simple like this, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I know that I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died and paid for my sins. And I'm going to trust Him and Him alone is my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, if you will trust Him, He will save you. I'm not going to have you forward, not going to embarrass you, but where you're sitting, if what I said made sense to you, I'd like to know it, and I'd like to have prayer for you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anyone at all say, yes, that made sense to me? This morning, I trust Christ as my Savior. Never done it before, but this morning, I believe it. And friend, if you'll trust Him, I'd like to have prayer for you. Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. If you're watching by internet, if what I've said made sense to you, Right there on your screen. If you'll just click it on, it lets us know that you trusted Christ as your Savior. We don't know who you are, but we know that somebody did. Would you do that? Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We ask your blessings upon each and every one here. We also pray, Lord, especially for our country. We have some people that love our country, and many are in place of leadership. But, Father, we have some that are not taking and making wise decisions. They're not protecting the freedoms that we enjoy like they ought to. They're not helping us to preserve what so many have given their lives in order that we might enjoy this moment. So, Father, we just commit this to you. Now, in Christ's name we pray. Amen.